0: When you learn about the disease or the condition, whatever it is, in school, when it comes to like the real life experience of it, you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. You know, you know, like the textbook stuff, but I I felt like I really didn't know anything. I felt like I was starting from scratch all over again.
1: You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 281. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Well, hello, veggie lover, do I have such a delightful episode for you today. So today I have Ashley Madden on the podcast. Before I tell you more about her, I want to remind you that the information on this podcast is for informational educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment by healthcare professional. So if you or your child or anybody in your family has any concerns about eating, nutrition or growth, please consult a healthcare professional. So Ashley Madden is a trained and passionate plant-based chef, certified holistic nutrition consultant, author of the plant-based cookbook Food Photographer and former pharmacist. A diagnosis of multiple sclerosis triggered an overhaul of her personal and professional life and ultimately she traded prescriptions for plants. She shares her flavorful and inventive plant-based gluten-free and oil-free culinary creations on her recipe blog rise.shinecook.ca. Originally from Canada, Ashley Currently resides in Taipei, Taiwan, with her husband Bernard, son George, and beloved collection of cookbooks. And her new cookbook is called Plant Based Delicious. I loved recording this episode with Ashley. Ashley radiates. Just a really warm, beautiful energy. And in this episode, we talk about her plant-based journey. We talk about her diagnosis of multiple sclerosis when she was just in her 20s. We talk about what stages she went through after she encountered that diagnosis, how her diagnosis affected her and how it led to her adoption of a plant-based diet and how that influenced those around her. We talked about what she thinks motivates people to make healthy changes in their diet and lifestyle and what people struggle with the most when they're making these changes. We talk about her evolution from being a pharmacist to a chef and now a cookbook author who does this for a living. We talk about how it's very unique being a plant-based eater in Taiwan and what are some of the great things and what are some of the challenges and of course we hear what she wishes more people knew and hear about her latest cookbook she finishes off with her top three tips for those encountering a life-changing diagnosis and what empowered steps they can take to make changes to their diet and lifestyles you're gonna love this episode she's very authentic she's very real i think there's some gems in here for those of you especially if you are struggling with a diagnosis a new diagnosis a chronic condition or if you or somebody you know has had a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis i think this is a very powerful episode so thank you so much veggie lover for being here if you are a long-term listener i appreciate you thank you so much for coming back again and again and for the new listener welcome i'm so glad to have you i hope you love this episode and you stick around a little bit and check out all the other episodes i have and share those episodes that you think would benefit your friends and your family so now let's welcome Ashley Madden. Ashley Madden, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so
0: much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Well, it's so cool talking to you all the way from across the world and you're having to stay up late. I'm well rested and up early. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how this interview goes.
0: <laughs> no, it's good. I, I think I've used to the time difference. And actually, I had a meeting this morning, like I had to get up at like a little bit before six four. And so then this one is like later at night. So yeah, it's been a it's been a big day, but this is always exciting. I love uh, talking to people about uh, the stuff that you love to talk about, plant based food, and all that good stuff.
1: Awesome. Well, let's start at the beginning. Tell me about your plant based journey. How did you get to where you are now?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I've been plant based for about twelve years. Give or take the the beginning is like blurry now a little bit, but um, I kind of leapt into a plant-based diet. Um, I woke up one morning and said, that's it. I'm all in. And I know gradual change works for a lot of people. But for me, with this particular situation, I knew that I just had to rip off the band-aid. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 23. And at the time, I had just graduated pharmacy school. I was doing a residency in hospital pharmacy. And... It was obviously like a life altering diagnosis It changed so much for me. And I actually didn't do anything um, personally about the diagnosis for you know, a few years, it took me a long time to kind of get my footing and overcome the depression and maybe the stages of grief that I had gone through because I was so young and it just felt like so much had been stolen from me. And at that time, even though it's only, you know, what, like 15 years ago or something like that, the, the conversation around chronic disease was very different. It wasn't like it is today, which is amazing. You know, there's so many uh, wonderful outlets that you can go to for positive conversations and for tips and advice. But back then, it really wasn't that open-ended or not really, you know, from my perspective, I couldn't really find a lot of things. So I started doing some research myself as like a healthcare professional. I thought, okay, I have to be able to take some control over this disease. And for your listeners who don't know, multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease. That's really unpredictable. And you can have symptoms throughout your body, depending on which part of your brain or spinal cord is involved. So I guess it was about um, maybe three years after I was diagnosed that I just started reading a lot. And it just came up over and over and over again, like this way of eating this plant based lifestyle, this plant based diet. And that's that was my journey. That's, that's how I began. Um, And I fell in love with the lifestyle so much that I couldn't get away from it like all I wanted to do all the time was make food and read about micronutrients and different ways that antioxidants worked in our bodies and omega-3 and omega-6 fats and how they worked with inflammation Um, and so then eventually I studied holistic nutrition Uh, then I went to culinary school and then I uh, left my career as a pharmacist and started writing cookbooks
1: (laughs) wow what a journey (laughs) yeah (laughs) And it all had to start with something pretty, pretty rough. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what were you told back then when you were diagnosed?
0: Well, I didn't really ask a lot of the types of questions in the beginning that I asked more in the middle or a few years later. And I'll speak to that as well. But in the very beginning, I was told to... Not to do any more education, to live my life, to like ha- get married, have kids, like just live your life and don't worry too much about the future. And essentially, the message was like, live for now. But it didn't feel like a positive message. Do you know what I mean? It was like, we don't know what's yeah. going to happen in the future. So just, you know, do all the things that are on your bucket list kind of now. And that scared me a lot. So I think that I didn't take that probably as good as some of the physicians had hoped. But a few years later, when I started to look into all this stuff, I actually remember bringing a review paper that I printed off myself. Like I went and got the actual paper. It was, it wasn't a randomized control trial. I think it was a meta-analysis and I brought it to my neurologist and I was like, look, like, This stuff is like MS and its connection to saturated fat and vitamin D. Essentially, the whole thing was about lifestyle and how it can have a really big impact on like progression or preventing progression for relapsing, remitting MS. And I was just met with like blank stare like, oh, yeah, you can try that. Yeah, you can try that. And I was like, oh, okay, so. this this isn't a thing and I, I tried a few more times too and especially with like my nurse and stuff and it just was never received with any kind of optimism or support and that really surprised me
1: yeah it almost seems like it was like a pat on the head. There, there. Go go ahead, little yeah. one. You can try that. But we have the Good experience for you. that, you know, we mm. want to
0: tell you, yeah, that's not really going to change anything, but you go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. That's what it felt like, too. And I was like, oh, and I was disappointed. But, um, you know, it didn't change anything for me. Yeah,
1: I guess it's hard for me to even remember because I've been in this world as well for about 12 years and now hear so many testimonials and so, so many people's lives have been transformed and completely changed, you know, with chronic illness and chronic disease. But I do remember one of the things that we learned about multiple sclerosis is basically you tell people, get ready, you're going to be in a wheelchair, you know, that's that's going to be your reality someday. Prepare yourself mentally for that. So isn't that interesting though, that it's almost like what you were saying is like, they're trying to prepare you, but at the same time, you are almost like manifesting a specific future. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be in a wheelchair. That's just going to be my reality. So I might as well just get used
0: to that. And no one said these words, but I felt it was like life is over or on the way to being over. It was really tough. It was really hard. And, you know, I had to get therapy and all kinds of things. And I was actually fine. I I, my initial episode wasn't so bad. Um, I got on an interferon very quickly and um, I had a lot of support in my life. But like, just the whole um, I think I had I was a bit of a control freak. I'm still a bit of a control freak. Just, you know, I like to manage things. And it felt like the thing that you want control of the most Was taken away from me. And I was also like a healthcare professional. I was just starting my career and it just felt like, oh my God, like I've just been, I have no say in this. It's been taken from me. And it was a loss that, like, I just, I still, if I go back there in my mind about it, it's still really, really like just a, it was a bad time in a bad place. But the rock bottom I hit, I think, was what kind of gave me the spring upwards to just like go for it. I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can. And so far, so good, knock on wood.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you were thinking, well, I have nothing to lose, right? Like, it's already s- supposed to be pretty bad, so I might as well Yeah. try and, and then, do what but, I can.
0: And then, like, I just, um, I went to, like, an MS meeting, a community meeting, and that was not a good experience for me because no one there, everybody there was, was you know, had had a lot of progression. Um, and then I was doing my residency and one of the doctors that I knew was like, hey, my friend's a social worker and she has a mess. You should meet her. And I met her and she was like, uh, you know, she was probably in her 50s. She was working. She was like perfectly healthy. And just that one encounter, I was like, oh, Okay. Because even as like when you learn about the the disease or the condition, whatever it is in school, when it comes to like the real life experience of it, you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. You know, you know, like the textbook stuff, but I I felt like I really didn't know anything. I felt like I was starting from scratch all over again.
1: I love that you said that and how it was so important for you to see that positive example of of what's possible. Yeah. I, I think of two things in that case, one, being a pediatrician, I think of parents who have a child that ends up with a particular diagnosis, whether it's a genetic disorder or a pervasive uh, developmental disorder, and you have this automatic fear of like, okay, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? I think it's really important to also know what's the best possible thing that can happen and see examples of those and see how it is possible and Frame it in that way of like, yeah, I'm going to strive for the best possible outcome in this situation that I can, and not just focus on like the doom and gloom of like, okay, it's probably going to be this horrible situation. Yeah, you know, I think of that. The other thing that I may think of is longevity, because since we yeah. were little, I think we've been taught to fear aging, right? Like, oh, you're just going to be old, yeah. and you know, you're you're going to be all decrepit, and you're not going to be able to walk, and you know, it's just going to be horrible. But I've been trying to reframe it for myself of like this exciting time of when not only do you have wisdom and you have like all these decades of experience that you can take with you, but. If you prepare for that, you could also have your health and your well being. Like it doesn't have to
0: be Absolutely. that you're
1: bedridden for the last 12 to 15 years of your life, and that's just going to be your destiny.
0: Absolutely. I, I think you're right. M- mindset is so important in all of those scenarios. And I, I have to make sure I mention this that. Uh, it wasn't all like a whole negative experience because what I've taken away from that is when I'm having a bad day about something that's really trivial in, in the grand scheme of things, I remember how grateful I am that I, well, you know, what I get to have that trivial problem. So that the experience of being diagnosed with a chronic disease when I was very young kind of instilled this awakeness, this awareness in in myself. And I get, you know, I forget that a lot of the time, and I'm not mindful all of the time, but it does help you live um a bit more present or it has for me anyways
1: Mm -hmm. Mm, i love that so much Mm -hmm. well let's go back to whenever you took the plunge and you're just like all right i'm just going to do this thing i was the same way i'm an all or nothing person so i went full (laughs) in also how did that transpire in the world around you at the time did it influence family friends What did people say to you as you were making that transition?
0: My husband was and is so incredibly supportive. He was, I just told him, I was like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm starting tomorrow. And that's, that's how it went down. It was like December 1st. And he was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And he was always very supportive of whatever I wanted to eat at home. That's what we were all going to eat. Like he wasn't going plant-based or totally adopting this diet at the same time that I was. He has now, but in the beginning, he was very much that I'm on board. I'm, I'm going to do whatever you want to do. So that made things so much easier. I think when I explained it to my more extended family, it sounded really restrictive and like hippy dippy, which I know that a lot of people who have gone through this trans- transition and people you've interviewed here have said similar things. Like your family's like you're doing what? And it was ju- it was just Christmas. Christmas was just coming. I remember that Christmas. You know, there's like food and celebration and sharing and. I come from a culture like many of us do where we celebrate with food and drink and indulgence. And I remember being at a Christmas dinner, a family Christmas dinner where I had like and I hadn't I hadn't announced to everybody what I was doing, my immediate family. Um, and I had a plate and there was like turkey on it and gravy and all this other stuff that I had decided that I wasn't eating anymore. And so I just pretended to eat it. And then my husband and I switched plates and he ate my too <laughs> I don't recommend that that's what you need to do. But back then, again, I didn't have a language to explain. I was just like, I know this is what I need to do. And it felt like too much to kind of broadcast and have to explain all the reasons at that time. Now, years later... Um, My whole family is so supportive. My sister, one of my sisters is also plant-based. My mom is pretty much plant-based. My husband's family, you know, they always make my recipes. Whenever there's dinner, there's always a vegan option or only vegan options. We have a lot of only plant-based dinners. So it's amazing now. But in the beginning, I was navigating it. So I didn't really know how to tell everybody exactly what I was doing. Because I don't think I really knew either, to be honest. I was like, I'm just going to go with this and see how it works out.
1: Yeah, you're kind of experimenting. You didn't want to have to go through the whole trouble of like everybody questioning you and you know, you weren't at that place yet. And I think it's also a certain personality type that can tolerate that, especially with a lot of people around, because people get really curious. But people can also feel threatened by it, especially in that situation. Yeah. and that's when it gets to that really defensive sort of comment that you're just like, "Wow, where did that come from?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know? and then you have those comments. Well, where are you going to get your iron? What about protein? Why aren't you eating this? You, that's not good for you. If you and you're just, and then you don't know how far to take it before you just yeah. agree to disagree. And then it's hard because I find it really hard to agree to disagree on these kinds of topics where i'm like but no no i can't i can't di- we're not agreeing to disagree because you're wrong <laughs> or, or or just like i'm like i need to educate you and i want to pull up like a documentary or put on like a forks over knives documentary or like read a passage from a book or like take out a chart of like omega-3 and omega-6 fats and how they work like i just get very pushy about it and so sometimes i just avoid the conversation because i'm so eager to educate people about it
1: I love it. My husband would probably say I can't agree to disagree on anything at all. So I understand you. (laughs) Okay, great. Uh, that's awesome. Okay, you kind of talked a little bit about, you know, being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis so young, and I can't even imagine that. I mean, you're just like barely starting your life in your career and have all this ahead of you. Can you just briefly talk about the different stages you went through? It seems like at the beginning, it was almost like, all right, I'm just gonna do what I'm told. And try not to think about it. And how did that evolve over time?
0: So as I mentioned, I was in this one year program um, doing my residency. So after I finished pharmacy school and was a pharmacist, I wanted to specialize in hospital pharmacy. So that's a one year residency. It's tough. Like, you know, it's not the same as a medical residency and it's only one year, but it's your whole life. All you do is work really. And so I was diagnosed in February on Valentine's day, actually. February 14th. And my residency wasn't over until June. So I met with the director of the program and they kind of offered me an out. And they said, we understand what's going on. Like you can definitely leave and we'll make an exception. And it was really tempting because I just was in so much despair and shock. But Also, I knew that finishing it was probably better for me. It it took my mind off of things. So I kind of put my head down and just worked. But my mental health was in the gutter. Um, It was hard, I think, to articulate actually how I was feeling. So that was the beginning. And then when I finished my residency, I took three months off. I went on a trip with my girlfriends. I I think I kind of um, swung between depression and crying and feeling very lost and being like, uh, and like positivity and ignoring it and just like moving on with my life. And so then I decided to just ignore it. So I actually specifically remember when MS commercials would come on for MS Awareness Month and things like that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't watch them or if there was a TV show and a character was introduced and they were in a wheelchair, I was like, I bet you they have MS, right? And then the storyline would progress and I'm like, of course they have MS. And I couldn't watch it. I was so triggered. And I think some of your listeners might feel the same about you know, if any of them are dealing with other chronic diseases, it's really hard to not put yourself in the most in the, in the most negative light. To assume what you said earlier, to just assume, okay, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? That's what I'm trying to avoid, and then I just. Got my energy back. I was moving into acceptance. I think really, okay, this is my life. Um, and and my husband came into my life as well during this period of time, who was amazing. And I remember tell, when I told him that I had MS. We were friends for a long time before we became romantically involved. And I we were out to lunch, and I told him that I had multiple sclerosis, and I just started crying. And he was like, "Are you going to die?" He didn't. He's an engineer. He he knows nothing about healthcare. How- <laughs> So I'm there crying and he's like, are you dying? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not dying. I had to explain to him what it was. And he's just like, oh, okay, well, we'll work through it. And it was just like the most, the kindest thing ever. And just little things like that. I think having my husband in my life really changed a lot for me in terms of how I was going to move forward with the disease, and little by little, I just felt more empowered to look into things, to do things differently, to meditate, to get up earlier in the morning and exercise to journal, and then it moved into food, and you know that was a series of random cookbooks that I would buy or reading about inflammation and how it affects you know everything. <laughs> as yeah. a pharmacist, I remember thinking like, how did I not know this already? You know, how did I not know this already? So that's, that's kind of the the journey that I went through. Um, and then when I got going with it, I just knew that this was the thing that I needed to devote myself to.
1: Uh, I love that. I love that story. And I love, I love how you brought up your husband's perspective too, because isn't that so refreshing? Yeah. It takes sometimes somebody outside of your own brain to be like, Oh no, we're going to work through it. It's going to be fine. I mean, you're not dying right now, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. We're going to work through it. <laughs> so, yeah, And then you're just like, Oh yeah, we can get through this. Um, yeah. so that's, that's so nice that he was able to kind of pull you out of that and be like, we can do this.
0: Yeah. It was a moment. I'll never forget it. Really. Um, Yeah. And so I credit him with a lot of my momentum in the beginning and really just putting so much energy and effort into figuring out what I was going to do. And then the enthusiasm I had for it afterwards, where I was like, I want to shout this from the mountaintops. Like I want to help everybody learn how to eat better for themselves, you know, chronic disease or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You said something really important, which is how did I not know this already? And I think that that's something that we ask ourselves and that people ask us all the time as healthcare professionals, people in the healthcare world, how do you not know this? How how is this information there and you not know this? So I'd love to know as a person with multiple sclerosis that you've had to deal with it for so many years, what is your understanding of this disease process and how diet and lifestyle can help manage the symptoms help with the condition is that is that something that you could briefly tell us in your words what your understanding is of it now
0: yeah and I'll keep it you know just in layman's terms really but so MS is, like I said earlier, it's an autoimmune disease, which means that your own immune system attacks a part of your body. D- there's many different immune, autoimmune diseases. Rheumatoid arthritis, you know, your immune system attacks your joints. Um, there's there's like so many. Psoriasis, your immune system attacks your skin or your s- skin cells. Um very broad statement there. But with MS, um, your immune system attacks your central nervous system. So it can be anywhere in your brain and depending on where you have this attack, which is essentially inflammation, you'll have symptoms, different symptoms throughout your body. So for some people, it might be they lose feeling in an arm. For some people, it might be losing vision. For other people, it might be some uh, muscle spasms or loss of sensation in a part of their body. And there are different kinds of MS. Um, I think the most popular, not the most popular, <laughs> the most common kind is is um, is uh, relapsing remitting, which means you have an episode, which is one of these inflammatory, Periods where a part of there's inflammation in your brain, and you have that, and then you have symptoms, and then you recover from it. And so, and and that's a relapse, and then it settles down, and that's the remittance. Uh, Depending on you and the type of MS you have, you can go your whole life with relapsing and remitting, and you return to normal. But most people, after every relapse, you don't really fully go back to normal. You have residual symptoms that kind of stay with you. Primary progressive MS is that after you have uh, an episode, you just deteriorate very quickly. So uh, people who have primary uh, or primary progressive MS, they are a lot of the times the, the more harder cases to treat. The, at the base of MS is inflammation. And so when we talk about lifestyle and diet, what we're really trying to do is decrease the overall inflammation in our bodies. And there's different um, thought processes on what causes a relapse or an episode. Um, But we know in general that stress, uh, poor diet, not sleeping enough, all these things. So these different kinds of stressors in your life can make you feel worse and can make your symptoms worse. And when we're talking about inflammation, I mean, I think this could be an entire episode talking about like an anti-inflammatory diet. But what you're really trying to do is decrease the inflammation in your body. And you do that by eating less inflammatory foods and then by eating more anti-inflammatory foods. and there's a great charity called the Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis Charity. Um, I believe it's in the UK. I'm at uh, overcomingmultiplesclerosis.org and they have the most amazing resources about exactly what we're talking about. How you go in and you kind of redesign your lifestyle based on decreasing inflammation and so that's kind of the basis of it and so I leaned into that when I first started eating plant-based, that was my whole motivator. Okay, I'm going to eat anti-inflammatory. I'm going to reduce the stress of my life. I'm going to exercise regularly. I'm going to do all the things that would usually give someone a great chance of living a super healthy lifestyle. And nothing was promised, but I knew that at the end of the day, that would benefit me for so many other reasons as well you know for heart disease for reducing cancer for longevity um so i i didn't go in there with a this better work kind of thing i just knew that this was the best thing for me and that i was going to dedicate myself to that and um Along the way, I met so many other people who are doing the same thing. And now today with social media, because back then it you know wasn't like it is today, you can connect with so many people who are on the exact same path as you and to be able to share your benefits or the experiences that you've had with other people and vice versa, it really helps you keep going because you see that, oh, this does make a difference. A lot of people are doing so much better with all kinds of chronic diseases that are uh, based on or that are connected to inflammation.
1: That's awesome, thank you so much for giving us that information in that way. I think that's gonna help a lot of people understand. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters overeating, and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, And what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now, back to the episode. So do you feel like the choices that you made 12 years ago that you started to put all of these uh, different habits and behaviors into place have benefited you? Looking back on it, what do you think it's given to you?
0: Oh, my God. Yes, it's changed who I am. It changed the trajectory of my whole life. Um, Things that I might never have discovered on my own or in the amount of time that I have. I mean, I still probably wouldn't have discovered it today, but... Uh, it has given me, you know, more specifically, I think, better energy, I sleep better, I feel like I have learned more about managing stress, meditation and mindfulness has been huge. Um, so all of those benefits. But yeah, I definitely think that my MS has benefited, or I I have been well, because of all of those changes. And I'm very, um, I take it very seriously. It's I'm at the point now and I I said knock on wood earlier and I want to do it again because I've been doing this for so long that sometimes people will say, well, you know, if you're doing so well, you could just try, you know, you could ease off. And I'm like, no, 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 I am doing so well because I follow this lifestyle. Um, And I credit it completely for the... Um, my well-being and my mental health and the lack of progression of my MS.
1: Yeah. Ugh, I love that so much. That's interesting, though, isn't it? That people would say that because to me, yeah. that means that they don't understand what true well-being is. Why would you want to ease off of something that makes you feel good? So to them, they're viewing it from a lens of restriction and something that's Absolutely. causing pain which for you you understand that it's you're not focused you're not you're not surrounded by restriction you're surrounded by the abundance of well-being so why would you want to stop that you want to yeah, keep doing that yeah it's
0: absolutely and i've tried to explain this in my first cookbook I have a passage in there about it, but um, it sounds like I'm exaggerating when I say it, but a plant-based diet and a plant-based lifestyle has given me so much and has helped me heal in so many ways that extend far beyond my physical health. I feel like I see the world differently. I feel like I am doing something for climate change, I feel like I'm helping other people eat better as well. It's just this whole other level of existence that I'm not sure I would have discovered on my own. And unfortunately, it takes a thing happening like MS, getting diagnosed with MS. And I know there's, you know, thousands and thousands of people coming to the same realization through hardship, through disease, through sickness. But That's what it took for me to go on this other path. And I think that for anybody listening, if they're in a similar situation that like it seems hard in the beginning, but it is the path forward. It is where you find answers and almost like a freedom. I keep saying that word, but that's how I feel in this lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's so well said. I love that. That's a perfect transition to my next question, which is what do you think motivates people to make healthy changes to their diet and lifestyle?
0: Yeah, a lot of people that I work with, it's, um, you know, an unfortunate health situation, being diagnosed with chronic disease, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, MS, um, arthritis. Those are big ones. So health issues. Um, But I've also seen that, you know, when someone makes a change, it kind of has a domino effect. And I think some people see what other people are doing and they're like, oh, I can do that. You're doing that? Oh, I mean... If you're doing that and you're feeling this way, then maybe if I do that, I'll feel this way. That's how it's happened to a lot of people in my close circle. I never preached anything to anybody, but I know that how I ate and how I prepared my food influenced how other people did as well. So I think that is the the big one, is the the health uh, issue. But I think a lot of people are also getting curious now, which is really great because, again, of social media, YouTube, sharing podcasts and videos, I think people are curious about the hype that's around different ways of eating, especially plant-based because it is getting so popular, which is amazing.
1: Yeah, you're right. I was just thinking that by example... Just by leading our lives and being joyful and feeling good and and being in that well-being, we're empowering and inspiring people. And it's kind of putting that seed in their brain too. Like, well, maybe this could work for me. And then that creates that ripple effect that goes on and on and on. But I think you're also right that pain is a big motivator, right? It's like one of the biggest Mm -hmm. motivators. And so whether it's the pain of our own health condition, our own just not feeling good, some people are just motivated by the fact that they're fatigued and they don't feel good. They want to do something that will help them feel better and have more energy or they get a specific diagnosis. Or some people, it's the pain that they feel for the planet and the things that yeah. you know like all the things that are happening to a planet or or the pain that they're feeling from empathy from the animals so i think you're right pain is a really big motivator so what do you see that people struggle with the most when they like decide okay i want to make these changes
0: now what where do they That's struggle great question um i think the first thing that people struggle with is what changes there is so much noise in this arena right now about what to eat for which reasons you know whether it's like vegan plant based you know there's a lot of other you know paleo keto i think that it can be really confusing to separate like science and really sound health advice from like trends and things that are happening um in this day and age and which one seems like it's the right thing to do because convenience comes in as well. And some of these trendy diets seem like they're more convenient as well. So I think the first thing that needs to happen is kind of getting clear on what to listen to, which can be really hard. It can be really hard, but you know, forums like this, podcasts and things help. But I think once someone has already decided that they want to go plant-based, I think it can be overwhelming on how to start, like, do I need to know everything all at once? Should I go study this for six months and then start, or should I just buy a cookbook, or should I follow this, you know this YouTube cooking channel? Um, so I think where to start is is the biggest uh, hurdle for people and the fear of failure around that. And that's what I love to talk about because, That's not even, there is no failure, you know, showing up and trying it is already winning. And when I had this conversation with people, I like to suggest that they just start with one recipe, like one recipe. And I think a lot of people have questions about ingredients and like, well, what's this and what's nutritional yeast and how do I use miso and where do I get that thing? And they look at all these different recipes at once and get overwhelmed. But if you take it one recipe at a time, you kind of get the education through just, just focusing on one recipe for one dinner, for one breakfast, or for one lunch. And you learn as you go. So I think that is the best way to approach that confusion that happens in the beginning. I love that. Well, obviously, you're very passionate
1: about food and know a lot about it. So have you always been a good cook? I mean, how did you go from this road of being a pharmacist to writing cookbooks and you know becoming a chef?
0: No, I was not always a good cook. I didn't cook a lot at all in my teens and early 20s. I ate lean cuisines and frozen vegetables and like a lot of Subway. Um but I was always interested in cooking. I remember oh my god I don't know when Rachel Ray started, but I remember when I was very young watching her do cook something and I was like wait you can make like sauces from scratch like I had never seen that I didn't grow up in a my mom cooked my family cooked but like it was you know similar meals meat and potatoes kind of thing so when I saw someone making like a homemade pasta sauce I was like what you can do that and I just remember being so fascinated by it and I was always very much in love with the culinary arts and in my first year of college or university I met with the um counselor because I was very confused about what I wanted to do which path I wanted to, to pursue and I did all these tests and so you go back a week later and you meet and they give you the results and my number one match was the culinary arts and that was when I was oh 19 my goodness. I what know what happened. <laughs> I was like well that's not a job like and I say that respectfully because I didn't I yeah, was yeah. like well what does that mean I, I don't even like what I work in a restaurant and I was very academic, and I had done very well in school, so I was like, "Okay, well, that was a waste of time. And then fast forward eleven years, and I am in New York City in culinary school, which to me is just like the wildest, the wildest like story. And you know, everything comes full circle. Um, so no, I wasn't always interested or I wasn't always a good cook. Um, but I was always passionate about it. I think it was an area of my life that I hadn't tapped into. And I think that when the need and my why was so important because you know your why is so important when you're making big changes when my why was so important you know my health my ability to live longer my longevity my mobility was paired with this passion that i had tapped in with into about cooking my own food and experimenting and being creative i think those two things combined and just like took off and i knew I my husband and I we had just gotten married and I was working as a pharmacist and I was like I think I need to go to culinary school and he was like I think you do too and he stayed home in Canada and I moved to New York I know I know so yeah so it's interesting right how how those things happen and I love I remember one day I remembered that and I was like oh my god wow look at that
1: Look at that. That gives me, that gave me full body chills. I don't know. No, if I love you, that. I, I'm like so into like all this spirituality stuff right now. Yeah. Thinking about our soul. And I don't know if you, if you've ever heard about these concepts of how our soul can pick our life path before we come.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: it's almost like your soul knew, but you had to have those specific events in place Happen. to become the catalyst. To live in I, now to I your have purpose. purpose. Now you know, I like have it purpose. had to happen because you didn't, of course, at that time you're like, what? This is stupid. I'm not gonna be a if this is dumb. Where did this even come from? But your yeah. soul knew, like you're the deepest part of you already knew,
0: but that cognitive, that human part of you was like, no, that's not a real no, thing. No, like I'm not gonna do that. Like I'm gonna, like, I think I had aspirations of becoming a doctor at one point. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Um, I'm gonna do something harder. Um Yeah. And yeah, it's just mind blowing. And I have to say that this, that whole soul thing, oh man, that year I had in New York in culinary school, it was like that every day. I had never felt like I belonged somewhere more in my whole life. It was the the best thing I've ever done and no doubt exactly what I was supposed to do.
1: I love it. Well, I I have one more thing I need to say about what you just said, which is so important for all of us to hear this what just happened, what you just said, I have to do something harder. We don't give ourselves permission to do what we love and what we're good at, because we don't think it's hard enough. And we are born with this belief. We have this thing conditioned in us that it's not worthwhile. It's not something good enough unless we're working hard at it. It has to be difficult. My son has the same thing. and I'm trying to have him unlearn this early because I have it too, right? but yeah. you're like, that's too easy. Why yeah. is it easy? It's because it was what you were meant to do. That's why it's easy. That's why you love it. That's why it, it like fills you up with yeah. joy and it feels easy, but it doesn't mean that it's easy for other people. Like some people are like, Oh right. my God, cooking is the hardest thing. I hate cooking, but you yeah. already knew that you were going to be good at it. And your, your cognitive brain was like, Oh no, I got to do something that requires grit and like, yeah. you know, all this yeah. hard, you know, blood, sweat, and
0: tears, and I try, I try and take that because I thought a lot about that. I grew up with like, you know, when things got hard, well, nothing worth having comes easy. That was like, that That was the whole thing. Right. So that was like, you know, you work hard and my parents are very hardworking and, and they're amazing people. But yeah, that was a big thing that I had to let go of. And even today, it's funny. We're having this conversation just today. I'm have my hands in some things now, some business things, and I'm feeling like they're really hard, not hard as in like, a lot of things to do. It's just like, I'm like, I don't, maybe it doesn't have to be hard. Maybe, I maybe I don't need to do this. That That's the space I'm in right now. I'm like, do I need to do this? Like, does, is that making me happy? And yeah, it's just something, it's, it's a lesson that I've, I've taken with me for sure. And if you, or if I don't stay aware of it, you can slip back into that mindset, especially if you grew up with that. But I love that you're, you're doing that with your son because I have a one year old, a one and a half year old, and I want to be able to teach those kinds of things as well. I love that.
1: Love that. Yeah. The conditioning runs deep though, you know, like we do. We have to be deliberate about unlearning
0: oh, yeah. those things.
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh, wow, this is great, great stuff. Okay. <laughs> so we'll go we'll go back to your cookbook, but before we get there, I'm very curious because you live in Taiwan. So I, do. I have no clue. What is it like eating a plant based diet in Taiwan? How long have you lived there?
0: What what is yeah. you know what are some of the challenges? Is it easier? Is it harder? So I've been this is my I'm going into my fifth year. So in January I'll have lived here for five years. Um, I didn't we didn't anticipate living here for five years. We thought we'd only be here for two years. Uh, we came for my husband's work, um, and we decided to move here without ever coming. Um, or without me ever coming, my husband had come. And we love it. It's the best. Um, in terms of eating, in the beginning, it was a bit challenging because of the oil. There's a lot, not so much the vegetarian or the vegan part. There's a lot of Buddhist restaurants and those kinds of things. But the every, everything is fried. There's walks everywhere, a lot of oil. But um, like over the last four years, the there's so many vegan restaurants now that are amazing, that do like, oh, just like the best fresh foods like raw avocado wraps and like bim bim bop bowls that are vegan and you know they're gluten-free baked goods that don't use oil there's so many more options here than they're more i'm from i'm from the east coast of canada and also fresh produce is so much more easily accessible Mm -hmm. here there's so much fresh produce um and the quality is amazing some things that have been hard to find um have been maybe certain like whole grains um like I order my buckwheat online and get that delivered and almond butter. Sometimes when I find it, I'm like that person who like selfishly like takes like six takes the whole thing. Off the
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy. It's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water. And in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing. And a few days after that, you can start eating them. And it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them. And they're really happy that you're eating them. And your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before I'm lazy so I don't want to have to use any mental energy that I don't need to and they send you seed quilts every month so you don't run out you can change what seed quilts you want to try so here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have hearty broccoli refreshing cabbage energizing kale spicy daikon radish super salad mix you can even get wheatgrass. you can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests, but like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you want to give it a try, you've been curious about Microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing! Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? join the Planscription. The Planscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week, but that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this Plantastic community.
0: So, um but like you know things like tofu and miso and tempeh and soy milk all that stuff is just like readily available um and yeah the fresh produce is just amazing the greens uh, there's greens here that i had never even heard of you know you go i go to the grocery store or go to a market and i am you know i have to ask like what is that i don't even know what that is and the same thing with mushrooms there's so many more mushrooms than i ever knew about and they're delicious and then a good thing in general is that things are seasonal here. So for example, mangoes are in season right now. So I have a lot of Mm -hmm. mangoes and I do mango things, but you know, in a few months I won't be able to find a mango anywhere. You know, it's very rare that it'll be flown in from somewhere. And if it is, it's outrageously expensive and you wouldn't even consider buying and by outrageous, I mean, outrageous. I once found a package of grapes and I took a picture that were $92 US I took a picture. I took a picture of these grapes and sent them to my chef friend, Dustin, in New York. I sent them to my husband. And I was like, look at this. Because I was doing uh, photography for another cookbook. And I needed to have grapes in this picture. I was doing a charcuterie board for another uh, a chef's cookbook. And I was like, I cannot for the li- I cannot buy these. I'm not doing this. Anyway, so things like that can be challenging for recipe testing and for photography, which is two things that I do all year round. So sometimes I have to be creative, really creative, Photoshop. and. photoshop would have been Uh, cheaper at that point photoshop changing the recipe i've changed the recipe before i'm like you know what there's kale in that i can't find kale we're using spinach spinach is now going to go in this recipe um but yeah overall i i know for a fact that when i leave here i will mourn and i will realize how lucky i was to have so much delicious healthy produce at my fingertips and everywhere
1: yeah yeah I can't even imagine all the amazing different types of fruits and vegetables that you have that we've never seen in our lives.
0: I didn't even talk about the fruit. Like, oh my God, fruit on the next level. I, again, I'm from the East coast of Canada. We're like, you know, we get all of our fruit shipped in pretty much um, or most of it. And here, like the dragon fruit and the passion fruit and the mangoes and like stuff I've never even, custard fruit. Like It's just stuff that I'd never even heard of. And I'm like, what is this? I bring it up and I'm like, what, what, it's in the fruit section. I know this is a fruit. What is this? And it's just amazing. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. I'm from Panama originally. And I'm so snobby about some fruit because... (laughs) Anytime somebody says they don't like mango, I'm like, you cannot say you don't like mango until you've actually had a fresh mango off the tree. Then after I've seen that you have, in fact, had a fresh mango
0: off the tree and, and you don't like it, I will accept it. <laughs> and then think that they are wrong. Yeah, <laughs> You're wrong. Yeah. You do like it. Fresh <laughs> mango. Yeah, that's that's something uh, the mango here is just. Like next level, like you don't want dessert, De- mango. You're just like, I'll just have a mango and I'll eat an entire mango easily. And my son is currently obsessed with mangoes. Actually, just before our call, I made a mango chia pudding.
1: Oh, yum. Delicious. Oh, this has been so great.
0: Ashley, what do you wish more people knew? I wish more people knew the power of diet. I wish more people knew how important it was what we put into our mouths, what we put into our body. And i think that the repetition about it has dulled its importance has dulled the message but you know food is medicine and that that is true and it's the most important thing you can do for yourself period is to eat better
1: yes 100% agree And yeah, Yeah. it's true. We can't stop saying it because it's so powerful, but you're right. Sometimes the more you say people like, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I've heard it before. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, if it was true, everybody would be doing it and you're like, yeah, but it is true. And a lot of people are doing it and it's just that our society isn't really built around making it easy right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully that changes, but that is for sure the message and the why behind everything that I do.
1: Mm -hmm. So much truth. All right, well you have a 1-year-old, so I know that <laughs> it can be difficult, but do you have a morning
0: routine before before my 1-year-old? Yes, I had a morning routine. I would meditate for 15 minutes and then do some kind of cardio. Um elliptical, go for a walk, just I mostly for my mental health. I just feel like exercise is just so good for me. So that that would be my um, my morning routine in terms of activity, and lemon water, and then coffee. Pretty simple. Nice. Um, with a one year old uh, who currently wakes up at six o'clock, no matter or earlier, no matter what time he goes to bed, it's I'm. <laughs> Like twice in the last month, I've gotten up at five o'clock before him. And I've done some yoga and like sat by myself for 10 minutes. I'm like, this is what I need to do. I need to do this more to feel like I'm ahead of my day. But then he just beats me to it. The next morning, he'll get up at 5.15. and He's like, no, I heard you open your eyes. So I'm <laughs> up now too. So right now, my routine is just getting him up. And the first thing he wants to do when he wakes up in the morning is have a banana. So we have a banana and we sit down and play for a bit. And most mornings, my day starts with a bottle of water and a coffee.
1: Nice. Yeah, well... It's such a special time to have a little alarm clock baby and it doesn't last forever. And then when they're teenagers, it becomes the opposite. You have so much time in the morning because everybody's still <laughs> snoring until like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. So don't worry. It'll, you'll get that time back. But it's Thank so, you. so wonderful to have your little. Your little monkey minion who likes his banana in the morning. So cute. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, tell us about your cookbook. Where can <sighs> listeners connect with you and what other products or services do you offer?
0: So my cookbook is Plant-Based Delicious. I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but I haven't. I just got my shipment today. This is my first time. I just Beautiful. got this. Nice. So um, this is my cookbook, Plant-Based Delicious. It's my second cookbook. Um it is all the recipes are plant based gluten free and with no added oils um and the inspiration for the book was really wanting to show people how you do not have to sacrifice anything to eat healthy it's about flavor its about texture comfort entertaining having a gourmet meal there's different things in there but um I wrote this book during the pandemic when I was pregnant and then had a newborn um so I really ate my way through this book. It really kept me sane at a really weird time in the world and also in my own personal life because um, you know, we're very close to where some of the original outbreaks were and we weren't really sure what to do if you were a pregnant woman. So I didn't leave my apartment for 11 weeks um, at all. Like didn't leave it because we didn't know. So the book is really important to me because it was my companion through all that time and I, I put so much love into it. I also have a website, riseshinecook.ca, and I spend most of my time there on, and on my email list and in my newsletter. So um, I send out recipes every week. So signing up there is probably the best way to get some of that. And I'm on social media as Rise Shine Cook, so Instagram and Facebook. Um, and so this is my second cookbook, as I said. So for the last three years I've been in cookbook mode but I am looking forward to transitioning a bit and going more into teacher mode so I have some new projects coming up but they're a little too um not uncertain but I guess I had to choose and I have a couple of you know what how it it is you have like babies and I'm like which baby am I going to choose to work on so I'm hoping to transition to working with people more in the future but Cookbooks are hands down my favorite thing in the world to do, uh, to write, to create recipes and to do the photography. So I know that, you know, as long as somebody is going to allow me to do it or if I self publish, but I will be writing cookbooks hopefully for the rest of my life.
1: I love that. And and I, I just want to say two things. One sounds like for people that are interested in hearing more about your, your, projects in the future get on the newsletter so yeah that's one way to find out about those things and then I want to affirm again that not everybody thinks writing cookbooks is fun and easy <laughs> So <laughs> I'll, I'll speak for myself because every day I'm just so thankful that there's people like you who like oh thank you really enjoy recipe testing because I can do it like and, you know, I do find yeah. it a little bit fun, but it's so tedious. I'm like, oh, my it God, I is. have to test this recipe again. Why can't I just get it right the very first time and
0: not have oh to think my about God. it ever again? So I've reached I'm those. I'm
1: thankful. I've, I'm so thankful for
0: you. <laughs> I, I have to show you this. So this is I don't know if they're in here where they are. These are cookies that are made from beans. They're cookie sandwiches oh. made from beans. Yummy. I know, but. I just feel you on the testing. So I was just experimenting with batter. I was like, I'm going to create a new way to make batter. I probably made these like, I don't know, 24 times. And oh my God. Think about the failures. Some like some were just like slop. And I was just like, and then I just got stubborn about it. And I was like, I'm going to sort this out. But after that, I, I get it. I was like, okay, hey, this one wasn't easy. So it depends. Sometimes recipe testing is fun, but sometimes when it's something that's expensive to test or complicated or needs a lot of time. Yeah. The, you have to be prepared for the investment for sure.
1: Yeah. You gotta be willing to put in that time to get to the reward. Actually, this has been fantastic. Last question. Leave us with your top three tips for those encountering a life-changing diagnosis. What empowered steps can they take to make changes to their diet and lifestyle?
0: I think that the first thing is to even though it feels tragic and life altering and people are probably feeling a lot of despair that it can be an open door to a new way. It, it, there is possibility even in that dark place there's possibility and I remember feeling that but not knowing what I was going through. I remember like that that little crack that little bit of light that was coming in and when that happens like walk towards that and and believe that there's another way that you can go about it. That's the first thing. I think the second thing is to surround yourself with people that are supportive or who understand what you're going through. Again, today it's so easy to find communities and you know discussion groups and forums of people who are experiencing similar things that you are. And then I think the third thing would be. This is a tough one because as someone who went through it, it's hard to say because I know it's so hard in the beginning. But I think that creating goals for yourself, Mm -hmm. small goals and sticking and just like sticking to them, but making them small enough that you can keep reaching them. You know, maybe it's reading an article one day. Great. Maybe it's going for a walk the next day great. Those that's how I started. The very, very, very small. I don't know what the quote is and I don't know who said it, but most people, you know, um, underestimate what they can get done in in ten years. You know, they think that it'll take them forever. But it, it that's exactly true. It's sometimes when you get going with big changes, it's the small changes that make all the difference. So to not be afraid of change, I think is is probably the third one.
1: Yes, I love that. And big changes. Are built upon small, consistent changes. So Absolute it's just that little absolutely. tiny thing that gives you that self efficacy, that gives you that courage to strive a little further the next time and a little further and a little further and add a little bit more. But you have to start somewhere. So I think you have setting to set goals and setting some kind of vision of like, okay, tomorrow. I'm just going to do this one thing. I'm I'm just going to connect with this one group. I'm just going to put this one post in this forum or whatever it is, that yeah. one tiny thing, it will build upon and build upon and build upon. So
0: yeah, and to not great. compare your beginning to someone else's middle or like way past the middle, because today it's so easy to just pick up your phone and be like, oh, well, they're doing this and they're done. They make it look easy. But you don't know how long they've been doing it or what's going on in the background. Like for anybody with MS, who's like, Oh, well, she's doing all this stuff and she's got it figured out. But I don't, first of all, you know, I, I've got some things figured out, but stuff changes all the time. But you know, I'm here, you know, 15 years with MS and and you and I are having a conversation. Um, so I, that's, a, that's a really important one is to not be intimidated by or, or kind of even just engage in comparison.
1: Yeah, I it's think not that's real. the best. Is just don't compare. I mean, it's yeah. hard not to because it's very tempting as humans to, but it usually
0: leads to some sort of distress at some point. So and discouragement, <laughs> discouragement. Compare. Yeah, like, well, why bother? But it's yeah, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's not true.
1: Uh, actually, this has been fantastic. I'm so grateful that I met you, and it's just yeah, been such a pleasure too. to hear your story and all of the positivity and love and compassion you're putting out into the world. And I can just tell that you're so passionate about this and that you've touched so many people. So thank you thank so you. much for everything that you do. I hope to meet you in person someday.
0: And oh I hope God, that you would have be amazing.
1: a very fantastic evening. And then I hope it spreads into your next day as well.
0: <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed this so much and I'm so grateful to have met you as well.